You're listening to Church of the Oaks podcast, where we exist to send disciple makers of Jesus by being disciple makers of Jesus. For more information about our church, such as service times, upcoming events, or how to join a group, please visit us at churchoftheoaks.com. All right, well, good morning. Church at the Oaks, it's so good to be here with you guys, to get to, to worship together. As, as Britton said, my name is Drew and, and Allison, my wife and I, get to serve, uh, serve here on staff at Oaks as we prepare to, to move overseas um, soon, Lord willing. So uh, excited to, to get to teach God's Word this morning. So if you got a Bible, go ahead and open that up or uh, pull out your phone. And we're going to be in Luke chapter 12 this morning. Luke 12, we're going to be focusing on verses 1 through 12 this morning. So Allison and I, uh, during spring break, actually got the chance to to go out west and to spend some time hiking in some really cool places. Uh, One of those places that we got to to visit was Red Rock Canyon, just outside of of Las Vegas. Really cool place, very different than than any, any place we got here. And uh, there was one particular hike we got to do there that, was, that, that really stands out. Uh, it was a pretty simple hike. Like a, it was like a five-mile loop that kind of goes around this little mountain there. Uh, and it started out this really fun, leisurely hike. We're walking along and great conversation, kind of an overcast day. And we got about halfway through the hike and realized that the trail was leading us down into this dried-out riverbed that went through a canyon. So imagine like 20 feet wide, dry riverbed, and you've got these uh, rock walls going straight up on either side. And we're going we're gonna to start walking for like two miles through that canyon back to where we had started. Uh, so we are, are going down uh, into that riverbed. And I kid you not, as soon as we, we were scrambling kind of over these boulders, and as soon as we uh, stepped foot on that riverbed, we hear this loud rolling thunder just shaking everything around us. And we look back and the sky coming over the mountain is just completely black, completely dark. Now, I have watched enough survival shows in my day to know that the place you wanna be in the, in the middle of a thunderstorm is not at the bottom of a canyon in, in a riverbed, right? That's not where you wanna be. So suffice it to say that the, the tone of our hike drastically changed uh, whenever we heard that thunder. We went from a nice leisurely stroll uh, to having a real sense of urgency. Everything changed uh, in that moment because there was some fear that got introduced into the mix, right? And I tell that story, and I, we, we, got, we got away fine. There was just a couple sprinkles, nothing to be afraid of. Uh, But I tell that story because I think that's kind of what's going on in the book of Luke, where we're at today. So up to this point, Jesus and his disciples, they've experienced a little bit of opposition. But at the end of chapter 11, after Jesus has called out the Pharisees in the way that he did, uh, there's a a big shift in the tone surrounding Jesus and his ministry. Uh, And there's some real hostility, some real opposition that's, that's starting to mount against him. So read with me at the end of, of Luke 11, what we, we read last week, starting in verse 53. Now remember, Jesus has just kind of called out the Pharisees, the religious leaders, 
And this is how they responded. It says, as he went away from there, as Jesus went away, the scribes and the Pharisees began to press him hard and to provoke him to speak about many things. Uh, The NIV says they began to oppose him fiercely, lying in wait for him to catch him in something he might say. So if there were any like games going on before about this, this opposition, all the games are over and this is starting to get pretty serious. Uh, there's some real hostility towards what Jesus is teaching. And honestly, if we fast forward to today, in a lot of ways, not, not much has changed, right? In our world today, there is still some real hostility against Jesus and against his message. We see that really clearly like in other parts of the world, right, where there's governments and religious majorities that officially oppose Christianity. But we also experience some of that right here, I think, where we are. If we were to describe the attitude of the world towards Christianity, uh, I think we could say it's pretty, it's pretty hostile at times. Um, and sometimes, if we're honest, I think in situations where we really are aware of that, it can be very tempting to respond with fear. And it can be easy to kind of shy away from the way we know Jesus is wanting us to live, the things we know he's wanting us to do. And I think that's kind of what Jesus' disciples are feeling at this point in Luke. And what we're going to get to see today is Jesus speaking to them in the middle of that feeling. And uh, what we're going to see is that when Jesus changes our hearts, we can follow him without fear, even in the middle of a, a hostile world. Uh, so let me pray for us, and then we're going to jump in. Um, Father, I pray as we read your word that you would speak to us clearly and that you would help us, you would teach us, you would show us how to, how to follow you even when we're tempted to be afraid. Uh, it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. All right, so we, we've talked a little bit about the context here with the Pharisees, but let's set the scene a little bit more with the, the beginning of chapter 12. It says... In the meantime, when so many thousands of the people had gathered together that they were trampling one another. So not only do you have these Pharisees who were out to get Jesus, you also have these crowds with all kinds of different motives uh, pressing in around Jesus so much so they're trampling one another. So there's all this noise going on. And in the middle of that, it says Jesus began to say to his disciples first. So there's a contrast going on here. You've got the Pharisees and the crowds, but Jesus turns from all of them and he turns to his disciples, uh, to the people who have chosen to follow him. Uh, So it's important for us to remember that what he's about to say is not directed towards everyone else. It's directed towards his disciples. And so if that's you today, if you've chosen to follow Jesus, in a sense, we can remember that these words are to us, to you. And... uh, the, the first thing that he's going to show them in addressing uh, and showing them how we can follow him without fear, first thing he's going to do is he's going to give them a warning against the hypocrisy of the Pharisees. So following Jesus, first of all, means rejecting hypocrisy. Uh, look at what he says. Beware of the leaven of the Pharisees, which is hypocrisy. So last week... Britain taught us about the Pharisees from Luke 11. Jesus was really calling them out on, on multiple different fronts for a lot of different things. But Jesus, he summarizes their sin here, their problem, with one word. And the word he chooses is 
hypocrisy. It says their main issue is those Pharisees are hypocrites. Now, what does that mean? What does the word hypocrite mean? Well, hypocrite actually comes from the Greek word for an actor, for someone who wears a mask and pretends to be someone that they're not. So what Jesus is saying here is is that's actually the Pharisees' main problem, guys. Their main issue is not that they're trying too hard to obey Jesus or or to be righteous or to obey God. Their main problem is that they are trying on the outside to be something or to be someone that they are not on the inside. Uh, that's, that's what he says pretty explicitly in, in chap, uh, verse 39, chapter 11. He says, Now you Pharisees cleanse the outside of the cup and of the dish, but inside you are full of greed and wickedness. And he compares their hypocrisy here to leaven. Now leaven is something that uh, you put in bread, are in dough, right? And the leaven, you put a little bit in there and it spreads throughout the whole loaf and it causes the bread to rise. And the point he's making in comparing hypocrisy to leaven is that he wants, to, he wants his disciples to know that they're not immune to that mentality of the Pharisees. Uh, it, it, it's easy to slip into hypocrisy. Now, I'm not going to re-preach uh, Britain's sermon from last week, but we know that this type of hypocrisy, it hasn't gone away. Uh, in the world, or even in the church. And I fear that particularly in the place where we live, uh, in the Bible Belt, where cultural Christianity is just so common, that this is a, a huge danger for us particularly. There are many, many people around us. There might be people even in this room who outwardly are, are trying to act like they are a, a Christian, trying to Uh, to please God with their outward actions, but inwardly, they are dead. What do we do about this? Well, Jesus, again, here is wanting us to see that the problem is not the outside. It's not the external. Trying to clean up the outside will never work. That's what he's saying here in verses 2 and 3. Listen to what he says. Nothing is covered up that will not be revealed or hidden that will not be known. Therefore, whatever you have said in the dark shall be heard in the light. And what you have whispered in private rooms shall be proclaimed on the housetops. Basically, who you truly are on the inside, it's going to come to light in the end. So the only solution that we have then is to stop trying to clean the outside and to instead let Jesus change our inside, to let Jesus give us a new heart. That's the way the New Testament talks about what Jesus does in us when we trust in him. 2 Corinthians 5:17. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away, behold the new has come. Jesus says, guys, don't be like the Pharisees, don't be hypocrites, don't just try to clean up your outside. Come to me and let me change your inside. So before we go any farther in this passage, if this is you today, if you uh, recognize, hey, maybe I'm kind of like the Pharisees right now, Today can be the day that you let Jesus change your inside by coming to him, by turning from your sin, trusting in him as Lord. Following Jesus means rejecting the hypocrisy of the Pharisees, trying to clean up our outward actions, and instead it means letting Jesus change our inside. Now, after Jesus gives his disciples this warning, there's a a shift in the conversation. 
So up to this point, Jesus has been warning his disciples against being like the Pharisees. But now, starting in verse 4, Jesus is going to address his disciples' fear of the Pharisees. Because remember what's going on here. Jesus is training his disciples for mission, to be on mission with him. That's what he's been doing in Luke, Luke 9 and 10, sending them out two by two. So put yourself in these disciples' shoes. You are following this guy. You're preparing to go out and be on mission for him. And then all of a sudden, you've got all of the leaders of your country, of your religion, that have, are, are just drastically opposed to what you're doing, even plotting to kill your leader. How would you feel in a situation like that? I know how I would feel. I would be terrified, right? I would be afraid. And I think the disciples are feeling a little bit of that in this moment. Um, and so Jesus is going to speak to their fear. And I love the way he, he, he starts to address it in verse 4. He says, I tell you, my friends, my friends. Did you know that if you are a disciple of Jesus, he calls you his friend? That's a pretty, that's a pretty cool thing. Uh, I tell you, my friends, do not fear those who kill the body and after that have nothing more that they can do. Do you know the most common command in all of the Bible that God gives people? I know many of you have probably heard this before. It's the first three words that Jesus gives his disciples right here. Do not fear. Do not be afraid. I think God tells us that, that so much because he knows that we are, are prone to be afraid, right? But Jesus is not talking here about just any kind of fear. He is talking about a very specific kind of fear. It's a fear of man, a fear of people. And I think that, if, honestly, a fear of man, fear of people, is one of the most powerful types of fears there is. Uh, and the reason why it can be so powerful is because sometimes it's obvious, but other times it can be very, very subtle. And this is a type of fear that can creep into our lives and into our hearts and consume all that we are if we're not careful. So sometimes this fear of man is obvious, like this context here in Luke. These Pharisees are literally trying to, to kill Jesus and his followers. So there's obviously going to be a temptation to, to be afraid. And today, in some parts of the world, for some Christians, that's, that's the kind of fear of people that, that exists. That, that still happens today. But other times, this fear of people can be much more subtle than that. So think about this, Falk, in our lives. How often does a fear of people's rejection or of opposition or of people's anger keep you from sharing the gospel, from talking about Jesus? Even more subtle than that, uh, how often do we just make decisions that are based on what other people are going to think about the decision that we make? How often do we make choices based on a fear of other people being disappointed with us or upset with us? Just, just stop and think about all the decisions that, that, that you make on a daily basis, big and small. What drives most of the decisions that we make? And if we're honest with ourselves, if I'm honest with myself, I have to admit that sometimes... Uh, I make a lot of decisions that at their core 
are based on a fear of other people, a fear of man. It's a fear that we can be enslaved to without, without even realizing that we are. One of the commentators that I read studying for this, this passage, he said, who or what you fear is that which controls you. If we're not careful, we can easily be controlled by a fear of other people. Uh, this is a fear that is, is very real, I think, for, for many of us. I think about uh, many of you in the room who are getting ready to, to go uh, do summer missions in just a few weeks. And you're going to go into some, some places that are really hostile towards Jesus, towards the gospel. And in that, those situations, there's going to be some uh, temptation to fear there and to be a little bit afraid of what others might, might think of you, what they might do to you for proclaiming Jesus. Uh, there's going to be a real, a real fear of man that's a, that's a temptation there. I think about all of you who are getting ready to graduate, and you're getting ready to go into a new city, new job, new friend group. And in a lot of those places, uh, people are not going to be the most friendly towards the idea of Jesus uh, and you sharing about him, being on, on mission for him, right? And there's going to be a temptation to be afraid of those people and what they think of you. Uh, but I also think about just right here where we are. Uh, many of us are facing this type of fear day to day. Uh, some of us with, some of you with your family, right? There's a, maybe your family is not the biggest fan of the way you were choosing to live your life following Jesus. There's a temptation to be a little bit afraid and to kind of make your decisions based more on what they want you to do than the way you know Jesus wants you to live. In school, in work, among our friend groups, we, we all face this, this fear of people on a day-to-day -day basis. So the question is, what do we do about that? What do we do about that? Well, according to Jesus, the answer is not only just to stop it and just to stop fearing the answer is to reorient our fears, to redirect our fears. Following Jesus means reorienting our fear. Listen to what he tells his disciples who are in this same place. Verse 5, I will warn you whom to fear. Fear him who, after he has killed, has authority to cast into hell. Yes, I tell you, fear him. So what Jesus is saying here is we need a perspective change, right? We gotta snap out of this, uh, this worldly perspective that we can have, and we gotta have a new perspective. So I, uh, I played basketball in high school, believe it or not, and by played, I mean I was on the team. Uh, and I remember when I was uh, going from middle school to high school, my coach invited me to, to be a part of the uh, summer practice with the varsity team, me and a couple of other upcoming freshman, and that was a really big deal to me. I was, I was very honored, excited about that, but um, that summer practice was more like an open gym, and the coach wasn't always there, so I remember showing up to that, that open gym uh, with all these older guys, these juniors and seniors, and it was very quickly apparent to me who was in charge whenever the coach wasn't there. And for any of you guys who have played some high school sports, you kind of know this dynamic. Like on a high school team, the seniors run the show, right? They are in charge. If you're a freshman, you listen to what the seniors say. And that was kind of the environment that I stepped into. So seniors are picking the teams. We're going to play some pickup. Seniors are picking the teams. Seniors are calling the plays. Seniors are taking the shots. 
So for the first half of that first practice as a freshman, I am playing in fear of those seniors, right? My only thought is I do not want to make them mad. I do not want to uh, cause them to not like me. I'm going to just do whatever I got to do to please them, right? But about halfway through that practice, something changed. And what changed was the coach, Coach Mitchell, he showed up and he slipped into the gym and he kind of stood over in the corner, didn't say anything. But when Coach Mitchell showed up to that practice, uh, everyone's mentality changed because there was a higher authority that had stepped into the room than those seniors, right? And so for me, everything changed about the way I was playing. I was, I was playing to not make those seniors mad, but now that Coach Mitchell was here, I was playing to, to please him. I wanted to show him uh, how I could play basketball, right? Because a higher authority had come. This is what God is, is uh, this is what Jesus is telling his disciples and us that we've got to do with our fears. The way to stop fearing man is to recognize and honor God for who he truly is, right? He's the one who has all authority. Now, uh, some people read this verse and, and immediately struggle. Uh, the idea of a God who would, would even think about casting people into hell is a troubling thought for, for, for many. And I get that, right? And we don't have time to, to dive deep into, into all that, that that means. But I will say this. I think at its core, um, our problem sometimes, uh, the issue when we have a problem with hell, it comes from a misunderstanding of the seriousness of sin and, and the holiness of God. So rebelling, rebelling against the God of the universe is a serious offense. And it's an offense that every single one of us has committed. We've all done it. And if God is truly holy, if he is truly just, his only choice is to punish sin. If he didn't punish sin, he, he wouldn't be just. That's what makes the cross so beautiful. On the cross, God, God gave himself to receive the punishment that we deserve for our sin so that all who believe in Jesus are, are free from God's punishment and hell. But God does have all authority to punish sin. And everyone outside of Christ will experience that. I think this, this passage makes that very clear. But remember here that Jesus is talking to his disciples. His point here is not just to scare them to death. His point is to, to recognize that God's authority is so much greater than people's authority. God's authority is so much higher. His holiness is so much greater. What he thinks of us matters so much more than what people think of us. That to ever be afraid of people is just complete foolishness, right? When God is big, people become very, very small. We need a perspective change. And on top, on top of his authority, listen, if you are a disciple of Jesus, God cares for you more deeply than you can ever imagine. Listen to what he says in verses 6 and 7. Are not five sparrows sold for two pennies? And not one of them is forgotten before God. Why, even the hairs of your head are all numbered. Fear not, you are of more value than many sparrows. Sparrows were uh, cheap food that was commonly bought by the poor, 
for a couple pennies. Uh, Jesus is saying, guys, God cares for those sparrows. How much more does he care for you? If you were a disciple of Jesus today, God, the God of the universe, who has all authority, he cares deeply for you. He loves you deeply. And so for believers, it's this beautiful combination of God's power and also his love that leads us to fear him. We fear God when we honor him and live in awe of his holiness and his power and his goodness and his love. And Jesus says that is the way that we respond to a fear of man. We remember how big our God is and then we reorient our fear. Okay, so how does this play itself out practically in our lives? What does this look like? Read with me in verse, starting in verse 8. Jesus says, And I tell you, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man also will acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. So Jesus knows that as his disciples follow him on mission, they are going to be put in some places where they're going to face a choice. A choice of either giving in to the fear of man and denying Jesus or of acknowledging him. And this word acknowledge, it means more than just kind of giving a tip of the hat to Jesus like we might understand it. The acknowledge carries the connotation of bearing witness in word and deed. In other words, living on mission for Jesus. Uh, so following Jesus, he says, uh, it means choosing him over the world. Following Jesus means choosing him over the world. And we see in the book of Acts, Jesus' disciples being faced with this choice over and over and over again and choosing, rather than to fear man, uh, to acknowledge Jesus. Still today, um, if we are following Jesus on mission, we are going to be faced with this choice of acknowledging him or denying him, choosing him or choosing the world. And we just talked earlier about all the different situations where we might face that choice. And again, the way Jesus is preparing his disciples to acknowledge him is by giving them an eternal perspective. We have to change our perspective. This language about the Son of Man acknowledging or, or denying before the angels of God Jesus is referring there to a future judgment that's going to happen. And he's, what he's saying is anything, guys, anything man can do to you is temporary. But God's judgment is eternal. We've got to have an eternal perspective. Now, these words, and uh, especially the next sentence, are often very troubling for some people. Um, listen to what he says. Uh, everyone who acknowledges me before men, the Son of Man will also acknowledge before the angels of God. But the one who denies me before men will be denied before the angels of God. And everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. But the one who blasphemes against the Holy Spirit will not be forgiven. Now that's some pretty heavy words from Jesus right there. And there's been a lot of confusion uh, over the years about what these words mean and don't mean. Uh, but I want to be I want to be very clear about what Jesus is saying and what he's not saying here, okay? Uh, so let's start with what Jesus is not saying. He is not saying that any denial of Jesus or any moment of weakness 
is unforgivable. That is not what he's saying. And that we know that very clearly because in this very book, Peter is going to deny Jesus three times, right? We also see in the book of Acts, think about Paul. Paul spent the first many years of his life actively denying Jesus, uh, killing those who were following him. And Jesus forgave both of those guys, used them mightily in his kingdom. So we know that that is not what Jesus is saying. And I think that's what Jesus has in mind at the beginning of, uh, of verse 10 when he says, everyone who speaks a word against the Son of Man will be forgiven. He's not talking about a, uh, a momentary, uh, a moment of weakness or a, uh, uh, any denial of Jesus that's unforgivable, right? But what is he saying at the end of verse 10? Uh, there is some debate about what Jesus means here by blaspheming the Holy Spirit. But the most common view, and my view, is this. What can't be forgiven is a persistent rejection of the Spirit's work in your life. The Holy Spirit is working in someone's life, convicting them of sin, pointing them to Jesus. And that person persistently rejects that work of the Spirit or attributes it to something else. There is no forgiveness for that person. And that's what he means here by blaspheming the Holy Spirit. Uh, I also think that's what he means by the, using the words denying me back in verse 9. Now here's the good news. If you're a believer in Jesus, if you have trusted in, in him, uh, and you are worried about committing this sin, about blaspheming against the Holy Spirit, uh, you do not need to be afraid. Jesus' words are not meant for you. Uh, however, his words are meant as a warning. Um, and the warning is for uh, those who, who don't know Jesus yet and who the Holy Spirit is working in and they are choosing actively to deny that work. And so there are some of us maybe in the room today who haven't chosen to follow Jesus yet. Maybe the Holy Spirit is working in your heart. And I will just say this, uh, it is a dangerous thing to reject that work of the Holy Spirit. It is dangerous. Do not do that. Do not reject the Spirit working in your heart. Jesus says, choose me over the world. Acknowledge me. Do not deny me. And then right after, right after this stark warning, he gives his disciples what I think are the most comforting words that he could possibly offer. He says, remember that I am with you. Remember I'm with you. Look at verse 11. And when they bring you before the synagogues, and the rulers and the authorities, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say, for the Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. So listen, guys, if it were up to me alone to do everything that we have talked about doing today, to, to not deny Jesus, to not fear people, to always choose him, to always acknowledge him, I would, I would fail miserably at that, right? Uh, if it were all up to me, I would, I would deny him left and right. But to his disciples, to us, Jesus says, do not be anxious about that. He says, I am with you. I am with you. Now, he doesn't say there's not going to be moments when uh, there's going to be a temptation to deny him. And actually, he says the opposite. He says, not if, but when, right? When they bring you before the authorities. So it means that this uh, this pressure, persecution, opposition, hostility, it should be expected 
We should expect some persecution, some opposition for following Jesus. 2 Timothy 3.12 makes that very clear. Indeed, all who desire to live a godly life in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. We see that playing out all throughout the book of Acts. We, we see that in the world today. We should expect opposition. Some of us in this room may one day face physical persecution for following Jesus, especially as God is sending many of us into some of the the darkest corners of the world that are unreached for the gospel. We may face physical threat. Others of us are going to be accused and attacked by our friends and our family for following Jesus, sharing about him. We're going to be slandered, criticized, rejected for not going along with the lifestyles, the sins of the world. Many of you maybe are already experiencing that right now. You're feeling some of that pressure for choosing to follow Jesus. How do we respond to that? Jesus says, do not be anxious about how you should defend yourself or what you should say. Why? The Holy Spirit will teach you in that very hour what you ought to say. For those of us who know Jesus, he lives inside of us. He is always with us. The disciples were looking forward to that, that reality, but we get to live in it. And he promises that he will give us what we need when we need it to choose him, to follow him. So when Jesus truly changes our hearts, we can follow him without fear, even in a hostile world. So today, for, for some of you who, who don't know Jesus yet, what he's offering you today is a new heart He will free you from this this cycle of always trying to clean up the outside. And he will change your inside. He will free you from hypocrisy. He will free you from fear if you'll let him. Don't resist the spirit if he is working in your heart today. And if you want to talk to someone about what it means to follow Jesus, everyone around you would love to talk to you today. For those of us who are his disciples, though, for those of us who have trusted in Jesus, the question for us, the question for you is, who are you fearing right now in the way that you are living your life? See, we we obey who we fear. Are you living your life in fear of other people, their opinions, their words, their rejection, their anger? Or are you living in fear and honor of the God who made you, who has all power and all authority and who loves you deeply and who promises to always be with you. That's the one that we fear. That's the one that we honor. He's the one who we, who we live our lives for. People can do nothing to us. I wanna, I wanna close just by reading to you Psalm 27, verse one. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? Let me pray for us as the the band comes. Father, we worship and we honor you. God, you have all authority. Uh, And Father, you have saved us from our sin. You have saved us from punishment. You have saved us from hell by your grace and your love, and we are yours, Lord. So God, forgive us for being afraid of people. (laughs) Forgive us for having such a small, worldly perspective, God. 
Teach us instead to honor you, Lord, to fear you, to remember that you are always with us. And God, help us make our decisions, help us make our choices in light of that reality, who you are, Lord. Um, We love you. I ask all of these things, Father, in the name of Jesus.